You're listening to Miscast Commentary. Hey everybody, welcome to Miscast Commentary, coming attractions episode. I am Joe Finley, Todd Tebow the Sailor Murray, probably dead at sea. Don't know what to tell you, he's not here. Uh, He will be back with us next week for our commentary episode. What is that commentary going to be? Well, I'm going to let some awesome new friends tell you what that is. I am joined this week by two wonderful people who have raised nearly $75,000 for a bunch of charities doing their George Lucas talk show. Uh, it is growing from, it grew from stage to now it's this online presence on planetscum.live and you can find it on YouTube and it is an amazing watch. It is a deep dive. You can find some crazy stuff on there. I couldn't encourage you more to check out at least some of their their watching marathon of the entire Star Wars live action series that includes the Ewok movies and the uh, holiday special, uh, the entire Skywalker series, Solo, Rogue One, the whole deal. And these guys did it all in a row. Uh, We have complained about our nine-hour a-thons. We've complained about our six-hour a-thons. And I see these guys do it, and these are guys who I admire a great deal uh, doing an amazing thing. Not just the fact that it was a fundraiser and made all this money, but the fact that they actually made it through that. I mean being in the mind of Watto or in the mind of George Lucas for that amount of time can drive a man just crazy. I don't know, but these guys did it and they did it really well. Uh, They were so kind to join me and let us have a listen to my interview with Patrick Kottner and Connor Ratliff. Hey everybody, we are here with a special pair of guests today. Very excited about this one. Uh, Our first guest, you know, he was a talent booker on the Chris Gethard show. Probably the most called out talent booker in the history of any show. I've never known one by name before. Yeah. and uh, he's currently working with Marvel and doing all sorts of awesome stuff. He also had another job that I want to talk about a little bit later. We welcome Patrick Kotner. Patrick, how you doing? Hi. Good. I'm so curious what that other job is, but don't tell me yet. Oh, never. And oh, and our other guests, you know, from things like the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt movie, uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, also the Chris Gethard show, ran for president at age 35. And we welcome Connor Ratliff. Connor, how we doing? I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Now I combine you two and say that both of these guys are two-thirds of the George Lucas talk show, the mm-hmm. coolest talk show on the internet right now. And very excited to talk about that because it was just a, an amazing idea that was born from stage that became this internet thing that is awesome. And if you are not checking it out, check it out now. But if you're checking this out and not checking that out, I already, I already don't trust your judgment. So don't. <laughs> All right. So let us get started. Um, where did you guys originally meet? Ooh. Do you want to tell this or do you want me to? Yeah. We met uh, working on when the Chris Gather show originally it was a stage show at UCB. Patrick, did you ever go see that show as an audience member? No, I didn't. I never saw it. Uh, my first one was the Dance Battle episode of MNN, so it's like episode seven or eight, somewhere around there. Yeah, basically, it, it was a. I was a fan audience member when it was a live show at UCB New York, and then it became a public access show in New York City, and then. 
Patrick started working on that after I'd already been uh, involved in that from the beginning. And, and then we, when I, and then I don't remember exactly how it happened that we started working together so much, so often, basically on everything pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think it was I just- remember, like, I, yeah. I actually, you know when we met, but I actually remembered, I think our first interaction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember this. This is this is exclusive. You're getting exclusive okay, yes. right now. We met um, the first day that I remember us meeting. We were doing a um, a remote piece where a couple of Christmas Chris Gethard people were singing Christmas carols on the New York City subway, and it was very awkward and uncomfortable. And uh, and and Patrick was just this kid who was like helping out, and I thought you seemed very together, very with it mm-hmm. for a kid. Yeah. That's what was our first interaction? I think our first interaction, I actually found the DMs, and it's me DMing the Ratliff uh, 2012 for president mm-hmm. Twitter. It's going to be embarrassing. Don't look. I'm uh, going to look at it right now. You were going to get tickets for the Arrested Development reunion. Oh, right. That was our first time hanging out at fr- as friends. I didn't go to that reunion. Oh, it wasn't the reunion, but we went. We waited in line for the, oh, for the banana stand. But I was like, I was like, uh, how's the line? If I go now, do you think I'll get tickets or something like that? And I did not know you at all. Yeah, you said saw you in line for reunion. I left because I was too far back. You're not buying four. I would love to pay you for one. I'm at Gethard's show every week, and I think you're hilarious. If not, no big deal, and have fun. I thought you were funny. That is, you know, we were in line. a few uh, when they Netflix did a a banana stand and gave out um, frozen bananas in New York, and that was I think one of the earliest times that we just hung probably. out socially. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's awesome, and that is where I came to know you guys. I uh, I came into uh, the Gethard show fairly late in the MNN. I think it was right around the time that the announcement that the original pilot was being made, mm-hmm. and so I heard about that and I watched and I saw some clips and I'm like, well, this is really cool. And then I went back to the beginning and I think you guys were on fusion by the time I finished. So it was, uh, it was such a fun thing. It's such a fun show that still, I mean, the, the community of Gethard still exists. Uh, You know, I'm a member of Facebook groups and anytime anybody pops up like Connor, when you're on any show, you're on last week tonight or something like that, there's a still of you on in that Facebook. Like Connor was there. And I mean, uh, what is the support like from that kind of a group for, for such a thing that you don't know that really anything's going to come out of it. It's a fun UCB show and you get like a local crowd and then you do what should be a local cable access thing that actually stretches, you know, all over the world. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you go ahead. I, I think uh, that show never had the biggest following, obviously. Otherwise, everyone would know about it, but everyone doesn't. But it had such a loyal group that a lot of people would stick with it for a long time, or a lot of people would be very heavily into it for six months and then move on, and then a new person would be into it for heavily for six months. You know, a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I watched it a lot when I was sad and depressed and then I got out of that and now I don't watch it anymore because I associate that with the time in my life. And that's good and it's great and it's awesome that we can help people get through that. Um, but then there's people who are still into that world and those people. And I think that's been very helpful, especially for something like Lucas, because when this, when the world changed, we didn't know what we were going to do with the show. Uh, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, Connor. We didn't know what we were going to do. 
some of us didn't want to do anything. Some of us did want to do a lot of stuff. And it was just like, how can we make this work? How can we figure this out? And we really lucked out that Gethard had this channel that he was building um, because it had the built-in audience uh, of Geth people. It had the technology backup support that we could use. It had the producers behind the scenes running everything that I couldn't handle or that Connor couldn't handle or whatever. And it's great that the world still exists that we can go and promote it in that group of 5,000 people and they will tell their friends and whatever, you know, and that it, the community is still there even if the show is dead, uh, which is a good a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, sorry, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, and it, and it went on, you know, the thing is because, you know, the, the lifespan of the Gethard show was that it really had one full season as a real TV show because both seasons on Fusion it was sort of like it was a channel nobody got. It was hard to like find ways to watch it. People people were still mostly watching it on like Facebook Live and YouTube. I also I think, and this is not a slight against your show at all. I think more people will hear this podcast than watch the Gethard show on Fusion. I'm really sad if that's true, only because I know what my numbers are. But yeah. but, but it's interesting because because it was a thing that existed for basically a, about a decade. And it, it incorporated so many people, like the ebb and flow of, of performers and, and talent that was involved in the show, that, for instance, like Dave Bloodband, who was the human fish on the other show, like we're both on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy because there's, that's, we're not on that show be, because we were on the Chris Gethard show. Like, it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, we don't like interact, but it's just like, oh, it's at the point now where it's splintered off into a lot of different worlds. Yeah, and well, and what's interesting about that, because I mean, you guys were all UCB guys for the vast majority, and so you're just a bunch of talented guys who actually, that was kind of a nexus for you all at one time, and then you kind of, you know, Big Bang have all gone off and done your own things, and I want to start with you, Connor. I want to start with the podcast Dead Eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, born of a story, or at least the first time I heard it, was a story on the Gethard show. Uh, can you tell, just for people who don't know what it is, can you tell people what Dead Eyes is? Yeah. Um, Dead Eyes is a podcast. It's a, it's a nonfiction uh, in comedic investigation podcast. And the, the inciting incident is uh, something that happened to me back in the year 2000, which is I was uh, – I auditioned – many times uh, through a process and I ended up booking a very small speaking role on the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. And then the day before I was supposed to start filming my scenes, um, I was getting ready to go down. I was living in Liverpool, England at the time. I got a call from my agent saying, you need to get to London right away. Um, because Tom Hanks was directing the episode, the first episode I was supposed to be in. They said, uh, Tom Hanks has seen your audition tape and he's having second thoughts. He thinks you have dead eyes. So I had to go re-audition um, in person for Tom Hanks. And I did this and then I was immediately fired. And um, and it's always been kind of this, you know, it was, that was a traumatic thing at the time, but I, I thought it would be, and then I was also told as I was being let go that they decided to go with a more military type. That was what I was told, which um, if you see the scene that I uh, was supposed to be in, this is not true because <laughs> the character is played by, uh, you know, a, 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 a you know a short character actor is played by. Um, it's not like they recast it with, you know, The Rock or something. <laughs> it was it was a very uh, much a character part. So I am using that story as sort of like a gateway to make a podcast about sort of about 
failure and success and regret and memory and kind of like and how weird show business is and um you know it was kind of this podcast that for a few years whenever i would occasionally have meetings and people would say do you have any ideas for podcasts and i would this would always be sort of like the last one i would say i said well i have this idea and nobody was really into it and then i finally reached a point where somebody was into it and then uh and then we made the pilot and then uh it ended up at headgum um it was actually uh ben schwartz my friend ben schwartz who actually helped it become a podcast because he had heard the pilot and he was like talked it up to headgum and he was like you guys should uh because i think a lot of people thought well that's a funny idea but you couldn't really do more than like two or three episodes and i think ben was sort of vouching for me that like i think this guy will be able to like milk this for all it's worth um which we've been pretty lucky about so far yeah and i tell you like i remember very specifically when you told the story on Gethard and cause it's something that it's not like it was being built up to. It's not like it was a scheduled thing. It was just kind of a throwaway in the middle of this episode. No. Shannon O'Neill mentioned it. I didn't even bring it up. It was Amy Poehler was there and they were doing this thing and Shannon made a joke about it. And then to give context to the joke, because it got sort of a weird laugh, like it was a non sequitur. Mm-hmm. Um, I then like had to explain in front of the audience and Amy Poehler, like what had happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so and I remember I laughed my head off about that, but it was the vulnerability. And I think that's something you did a lot on that show is you just kind of had this, this is what it is. And it was just, you you laugh not at the story because it's sad that it's like, oh, a young actor lost a, a job that could have been pretty killer. But it's like, just the way you told the story, I was just in tears because it was like, you, you just, you just yeah. put yourself out there in such a way that, oh. Yeah, I think it's funny because... Uh, mostly we've gotten a really, really positive response, lots of good reviews and stuff, but every now and then there'll be someone online who'll say something. And it's almost always someone who hasn't actually listened to the podcast who'll be like, Oh, get over it. Like move on. And we'll not realize that the tone of it is not, uh, it's not really that I'm obsessed or mm-hmm. that this is all I think about. I mean, I think about it a lot more now just because it's the podcast yeah. I have to work on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I've never told you this. What? All those comments? Yeah, oh, they're you? <laughs> they're me. Oh, I knew it. I'm really sorry. What a, what a little troll. <laughs> He's just trying to keep you humble. <laughs> you know, you can't be George Lucas on the George Lucas talk show without getting kind of ahead about it, right? So he's just True. keeping True. you on earth. Um, I will move on now to Patrick because Patrick is working for a little upstart called Marvel currently. And, and uh, tell us what you're doing there right now. Uh, I'm the editorial and talent producer over there. Um, so I, I book a lot of their podcasts and a lot of their uh, video content. Um, so anytime they have a guest come on for a video or one of their, you know, uh, any of their their wonderful myriad of uh, uh, shows that they have going on, I'm usually the person in charge of that. And then I, you know, we go do Comic-Con live streams and premiere live streams in the normal world we would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been really fun. You know, getting I went to four movie premieres last year and two comic cons and it's just been it's been a weird whirlwind of a of a year that's awesome how does something like that come about i mean not that you are inexperienced as a talent I mean, you know. yeah insanely uh it ties back to gethard again i on um i think it was christmas day 2018 i guess 2018 i got a message from gethard's manager's assistant uh being like hey dude hope you're doing well not acknowledging it was christmas uh hope you're doing well 
uh, my friend is leaving this gig and I feel like you might like doing it. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. Because I'd mostly been unemployed since Gethard ended. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly by choice. I needed a break. I think we were all burned out a little bit towards the end. Uh, so I didn't really work until November or so. Okay. And I took this gig uh, and I was booking conventions, like smaller conventions, Harry Potter conventions and like alien conventions. It was a wild gig. Um, and I literally had it for a month and a half and then was like, uh, guys, I'm so sorry. I gotta go with Marvel. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, really I, I refuse that anybody <laughs> wouldn't have understood that. To their credit, they're like, yeah, of course, go. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun and I've gotten to travel a lot. I was in LA like eight times last year, which is always, it's a nice vacation to go for, you know, a week or whatever. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we want to talk about a George Lucas talk show now, obviously. It started out as a UCB show. How did that all come into being? Um, I had done, there was a system at UCB where you could audition for shows and they call them spanks. And basically you put up a show and it's, and if they like it, they'll usually give you some notes and develop it. And then it becomes a, then you get a run as a show. And I had done a one man show where I, I'd written it all and I played a bunch of characters. And it was basically the, the, it was local authors night at the mid Missouri public library. That was the name of the show. And we did it once. I thought it went really well. Um, I saw it. It was fun. I thought the audience loved it. And then, I didn't get a second show. Like they basically were like, no, you're not getting a, a second audition for it. Like, and I was really surprised. And then I, I thought about it. And I thought, well, cause this was, I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2013, 20, something like that. And I remember thinking, you know what? I probably am not, it's not a, a sexy enough premise and I'm not enough of a draw to be able to bring in a regular audience for a run of this show. And that's not why they rejected it, but that's why I thought was like a good reason. And I thought, you know, the next time I do a show, I'm gonna have a big pop culture hook that will bring people in who have no idea who I am. And I was trying to think like, what do I know about? What could, you know, cause I, I, at the time I remember thinking like, my next show will be something or I remember thinking that the working title for whatever the show was gonna be was, um, Harry Potter night at Hogwarts. That was the name of the show, which I think is a very, a very subtly dumb title for a show. Um, I don't know what the idea would be, but I'm like, I don't know enough about Harry Potter to make up a Harry Potter show. I'm like, I've been doing this George Lucas character to amuse my friends since the special editions came out. Actually, maybe even since they were like in development where I would just pretend to be George Lucas and my friends would ask me about Star Wars and I'd tell the, them the, the real answers for things. And so I thought, oh, maybe the easiest thing is to just do this as a talk show where I'm George Lucas and the guests are really themselves. And, and then that was it. And Patrick, Patrick was the warm-up comic at the very first test show that we did because the actual, the person who was supposed to be the warm-up comic didn't show. And so I just turned to Patrick and said, will you do the warm-up? And Not a performer. Not a performer, <laughs> not a comedian. He has no act. Nope. See video of this video exists online. It's oh. it's viewable. And I think you do better than a lot of people that I've seen at open mics. Most people I've seen at open mics. Yeah. Just like effortlessly charming. Okay. And okay. and then um and then Patrick, you were just around so much that you I think you said that I called you a producer before. Yeah, it hit a point where I was like sort of helping out. I was like filming the shows for you and stuff just so you had them, I guess. I don't know. 
And then it hit a point where we were in a conversation with somebody and he goes, oh, this is Patrick, my producer. And I was like, what are you talking about? You've never said that. Like, I don't know. No, I'm not. I, what, I what think that's so great. I don't remember doing that, but I think it's yeah. so great that I did that. that it's you were very just like, funny. That I thought of you as my producer and you didn't know that. It's <laughs> yeah. really funny to me. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a good way to fall into a job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, but so, and like you guys said, so COVID happens, uh, the UCB, uh, theater closure happens. You guys, what? what? Sorry. And these, these things happen and you guys are up in the air, what you want to do with the show. So what do you, you decide to do this in an online, uh, format and yeah. then how do you just, so how do you decide what it's going to look like compared to the stage show and all that? Well, or originally back in like late March, early April, you know, I, I had taken a couple of months off from the show and, and Griffin was actually doing these one because Griffin Newman, who plays Watto on the show um, as the talk show sidekick, um, he he was going to do, he did took the two months that I was going to be away to do these one person shows as Watto. So he already done like an, a one man Watto show. And my next show back was going to be in May and it was going to be our annual Star Wars Day show which we always try to make a very big deal out of. We try to make that a really special, fun show. And yes, we were booked. It was like ready yeah. to go. We uh, were fully good to go. Yeah, I saw you had your prizes ready for the, uh, yeah. for yeah. the a-thon. You had some great, you yeah. had some great stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Patrick, who were the guests? I forget already. Who were the guests? Are we yeah, on? Jenny, who came on the, she's been on twice yeah. now. She's the voice of Ash in Pokemon and a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other stuff. And then David Mandel, who's the showrunner on Veep and like a Seinfeld writer in SNL. And he wrote yeah. the giant Ralph McQuarrie book. Like he was like the guy. It was so exciting that we had him. And then, you know. Yeah. And so Patrick and Griffin were saying, look, people are going to be really depressed on Star Wars Day. because, And people who come to our show who look forward to celebrating Star Wars Day that way, we should do a show for them to like, um, you know, give them something to cheer them up. And I was just not interested in doing it. I just thought it's going to be bad. It's like not very, be... very actively not interested. Yeah. yeah, I said it's going to be bad, and more people are going to see this than ever saw the live version. So it's going to diminish the reputation of the live version. Yeah. Like people are just going to, if we do it and it's bad, people will retroactively say that must have been bad for six years yeah. at UCB oh. Theater. And and I was like, I just don't want to do it. And then they said, well what if and actually one of our ideas was i said look if we do it we have to come up with something good to justify it if it's not as good in terms of it being funny or being a quality show and i said well here's one thing if we actually get george lucas as a guest then that's worth it and we did try we really did try to actually get george lucas mm -hmm. and, and if we'd done that that might have been the last one we ever did if we had just gotten george lucas on star wars day and talked to him for five minutes uh, and that, and I want to say that door is still open. We have not closed it. Anytime the real George Lucas wants to come on the show, he and is. Connor promises if he ever comes on, that's the last one we'll ever do. <laughs> uh, until the next one we do after that. Yeah. And, um, but here's the thing. So, so we tried that. And then the other thing was, um, well, what if we do it for charity? And at the time we, you know, there was a, a GoFundMe because when UCB closed, a lot of the staff, a lot of the interns, workers, and things uh, were left in the lurch. And they were, some of them were able to collect unemployment, but it's just, you know, it's like everybody. It's a bad situation all around. And so there was a GoFundMe that had been set up to help the UCB 
employees and staff. And we thought, well, if we could raise a little bit of money for that, then that will, that will make it worth doing. And then I said, what if we watch all the Star Wars movies? And they were like, ah, well, that's going to be like, what, like nine hours or something. And I said, <laughs> no, not, I mean, all of them. Like, we, what if we watch not just the, not just the original ones that Lucas did, but also the, the sequel and also the Ewok movies and the holiday special. And I made it this 30 hour thing. And, uh, and then, and that Over- was really the only way you were interested in it. Yeah, there was yeah. there was a like, moment in the thing, yeah, where I where you argued to him. You were like, you said that if we don't do the Ewoks, that this whole thing isn't worth doing. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> and and I think the the weird thing is, you know, during that during that uh, marathon, because I think if we had just if the, if if one thing hadn't happened. We might have just done the marathon and then thought, well, that was a fun thing. We'll do that once a year or do something like it. Um, but then during the marathon, Chris Gather came on and somehow through an offhand remark Griffin made, a challenge was laid down that we would watch all of Arliss, <laughs> all seven seasons of Arliss at the end to add it onto the 30 hours. And this got agreed to in ways that I'm not fully clear on. And we ended up, and then we, I think it was because I said, yeah, if we get up to, you know, you know, I said, I said a goal that at this point we'd raise like three or $4,000. You said said 20,000 or you said. It was if we raised another like $12,000 at that point, but there's no way we'll raise another $12,000. And then we did. And I got very depressed (laughs) because I, I remember saying on the stream, people are just giving money to hurt us. This isn't about (laughs) helping people. I was really angry. And then someone said, what if we raise another $5,000 on top of that? Then we don't have to watch Arliss. And we did it. We got the additional $5,000, so we did not have to watch Arliss. But then over the course of that week or two where we were recovering, we well, were we also Arliss. We should also say, at some point, Robert Wool, the star of Arliss, came on the stream under the impression that if we hit this certain amount of money, we would watch Arliss. Yeah. And then we hit the point where we were like, well, we're not going to watch it. We were like, well, he came on thinking that we were going to watch it, so we should probably do something. Yeah, and it felt, and there was there were twelve thousand dollars worth of donations that may have been made under the idea that we were going to continue the marathon and keep watching Arliss, which would have killed us. Like physically, if we'd had to go another hour, I think I would have been in serious physical trouble. Yeah. Um. But then we were talking about. We thought, well, we did people did donate under the presumption that we would watch Arliss in some way. So then we're like, what if we do it in a reasonable, healthy way, which is we'll watch one season every Sunday for seven weeks. And I, and I think that changed the show. And and it was also uh, um, Bobby wool was so nice to us. He would show up every week and hang out with us at the end of it during this, the the season finale. And then sometimes afterwards for hours, um, And it was such a an or, it was such an organic occurrence that um, we took these two things that are completely disparate, which is Robert Wool's HBO show Arliss, which is about a sports agent, <laughs> it has nothing to do with George Lucas at all. But over the course of the seven weeks, we sort of like realized that oh, we can make this show. I mean, we've always done that where we'll have a guest and we find the way of making it a Lucas thing. Mm-hmm. 
but this is really seven weeks that for the most part we were talking about Arliss more than we were talking about anything related to Lucas but we were still trying to do it within the weird world of this show and it really did sort of it felt like our the DNA of the show was being altered a little bit each week in terms of what it was what we could do and so when we got and by the end of the Arliss stream we'd already agreed to do a 1600 pen uh, complete series watch along on the 5th of July. And then we started saying, well, what if we did a version of this show that wasn't, you know, 12 hours long, but was a reasonable amount of time, like, like three and a half or four hours long per episode. And that's what we've sort of arrived at at the moment is that once a month, we'll do a charity watch a thon that is long. Mm -hmm. But most weeks, we'll just do a reasonable three-and-a-half to four-hour show. Reasonable. Very reasonable. <laughs> it is. And I think it is reasonable. Under, under COVID and given what we, what we are, you know, we can't – there's a lot of things we can't do. But this is one thing that we can do. Like, there are a lot of things we can't make the show be, but we can make it be four hours long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the truth. I when we record too, we usually because we do full length commentaries, we usually record four to six hours uh, mm-hmm. a night, and we don't start until eight thirty because I got to wait till my kids are in bed because we do this out of my living room. So, yeah. uh, so that's just that thing. And I remember the one time we did that all we did an all nighter. Uh, specifically because my co-host wanted me to drop him off at Toys R Us to buy a Super Nintendo Classic the day that it came out. So he st- we stayed up all night and r- did movie after movie after movie. And then I went and dropped them off before they, so he could line up and maybe get stabbed. I don't really know what happened after that, yeah. but, um, but yeah. And I just, I remember how hard that was. And we documented that it's on our YouTube. We documented between movies and when I dropped them off and when I was like in the car all alone and stuff like that. And then I heard you guys were doing this. And at first I just thought you were doing like the Skywalker saga, which would have been plenty. And then I started hearing, oh it's also like the other parts of the story and then it's like oh no it's not just the other parts of the story we're going holiday special we're going ewoks which and i was like blew my mind and i was all in i'm very well here's the thing i'm very passionate about the ewok movies are not on disney plus yet Mm -hmm. and i i think the ewok movies are essential viewing for anyone who claims they're a star wars fan And one of the things that I think that is really important that the Ewok movies do, because like I saw them as they came out, as they aired on television and one, one, they're very weird and they're kind of like, it's, it's interesting to see an official star Wars movie that does not have the budget of an official star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they do, I think is they take away a little bit of like the huff and puff of how important or how sacred a Star Wars movie is. Mm-hmm. They really are, They to me, they ground this whole saga in like, you know what? Sometimes a Star Wars movie is just about the Ewoks and they're having an adventure. Mm-hmm. And, and it to me, they were always something that, you know, because I was a kid and I loved Star Wars and I, as the movies came out. And when the Ewok adventures came out, I was like, I like these, but they're weird and they're not as cool as the regular... Han Solo Star Wars movies but you know what like like by the time the prequels came out I really had a healthy attitude towards like these are just Star Wars movies you know that like as important as they might be to you 
if you like the Ewok movies make it impossible for me to ever feel anger about a Star Wars movie not being exactly what I might wish it to be because they are weird and fun and sometimes good and sometimes bad uh that and that's true of all Star Wars movies and uh that's true like even even a a, a movie like Empire Strikes Back which is perfect if you ask me to go through a nitpick it as a like as a like be as critical as you can i could probably find a bunch of things i'm like well this isn't great or i don't like this so much or whatever mm -hmm. i just that to me that's such a waste of time and the ewok movies i think they are the cure for the sickness that is like people being mad about star wars that is a wonderful philosophy about it we've talked about stuff like that at length just when we uh cover the just the venom of the debates about the, especially the most recent trilogy and stuff like that. It's just, they're just movies. And I can't understand why people get, I it's, it's beyond the, when episode one came out, it's like, Oh, it's not how it was when I was a kid. It's now just like, you've ruined not just my childhood, but somehow life as we know it by yep. deciding that, it's an interesting thing. Cause this would come up in the show a lot. And what I would really talk about, and I do believe this is that, Life is hard and getting older is hard and disappointment in life is a thing that people struggle with. People get to a certain point where they are unhappy. And I think sometimes it feels better for some people to be able to point to a Star Wars movie and say, that's what I'm upset about. Because if you have to turn that gaze inward, that is a much harder conversation to have to actually say like, no, I'm actually not upset about the Star Wars movie. I'm upset with the person I have become. Oh yeah. man, that is, ugh, you are just a man after my own heart. I could like, you couldn't, I couldn't have even articulated it any better as my choppy uh, dialogue right now is indicating. But then, uh, and I go even further into that too. I was a big fan of, uh, I got the radio plays and all those different things with Mark Hamill and John Lithgow as, uh, yeah. as Yoda and Yoda. stuff like that. And I would say to people, they're like, I love Star Wars. I'm like, you heard those radio plays? And they're like, oh no, what radio plays? I'm like, what radio plays? How yeah. do you not know all about radio? And I would start getting crazy. I've been meaning, I've been, I used to, what did I have? I had a new hope in Return of the Jedi on tape mm -hmm. and I would listen to them to fall asleep at night. They were like in the rotation <laughs> of things that I would like just have in the background mm -hmm. and it's crazy to think i need to re-listen them because it's crazy to think that they were like 16 hours long oh in intensely long i don't i don't understand how that's even possible mm -hmm. thinking about it now that they would like just add so much stuff and be like uh, this is here too now like it's so <laughs> wild it also it also is one of the that's also a thing that helps you understand like the fact that like mark hamill is in those yeah but that but that most of the main cast is replaced that it kind of becomes like a regional production of star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, yeah. it also helps de like canonize like yeah. another person could be Han Solo for I, longer. Yeah. yeah. I also compare them to, I'm reading the original Marvel run of the star Wars comics now. Oh yeah. And those are crazy. They're <laughs> like, there's just pirates, like regular pirates in it, like riding a pirate ship and like just crazy things where the guys who were originally writing it, you could tell before Empire came out, they were like, there's not gonna be another movie. We'll just do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> and he's like, who cares? Uh, but they're great and they're so weird and strange. And like, mm -hmm. you can tell nobody really gave them rules. They were just like, 
yeah, uh, sure, talking rabbit, whatever you want, pop them in there. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, there's also there's also an interesting thing that only occurred to me recently, fairly recently, which is that, like, a kid now who gets into Star Wars is is suddenly there is this you know decades worth of lore to dig through. There's books and comics and just the movies alone. There's 30 hours of movies. When I was like four years old, there was one movie and it was two hours long and that was it. Yeah. yeah. And and then a couple of years later, there'd be another movie. And then a few years later, a third movie. And then that was sort of it for a while. So for most of my childhood, most of my Star Wars stuff was me playing with the toys and making up my own Star Wars things. <laughs> and, and it made it more of a creative experience. Whereas now I feel like there's an interesting thing that happens, which is that a Star Wars movie comes out and the audience has an expectation for what they want to happen in it, where they're like, if Ray and Ben Solo aren't like this, or if they are like this, then I'm angry about it. Yeah, like, yeah. if your thing doesn't happen, and it never would have occurred to me as a child to go to a Star Wars movie and be like, well, Darth Vader better do this, or else <laughs> I'm going to be mad. Even though I would have played out dozens and dozens of different plot lines where Darth Vader, you know, either died or won or whatever, you'd then go to the Star Wars movie and be like, oh, this is the real thing. And you just, you yeah. just be grateful to see it. Yeah. But I, I definitely recommend, yeah, people who like Star Wars, even in a casual sense, go check out those other things because it does, like you said, open you up to a lot of different possibilities. Those radio plays, uh, in addition to the original trilogy, which features, yeah, Mark Hamill and Billy D. Williams both reprise yeah. their roles, and that's Anthony it. Da Anthony Daniels, too. Oh, that's right. Anthony Daniels is the only one yeah. who's in all of them. Uh, are, they on, are they on, like, Audible or Spotify or anything? I believe they're podcasts. I, I think you you can find them if you need to find them. Yeah. So uh, that that is fine. I have all of them, but I, they also have the uh, like a kind of a Knights of the Old Republic thing where it's all yeah. way back in the day and it talks about yeah. XR Coon and all these different yeah. ones. But like Ed Asner playing Jabba the Hutt in, yeah. like, it just blew my mind. Yeah. When, uh, yeah, it was so good. I'm now I've just to dip back really quickly into the uh, the marathon. At what point? Now there's two, there's two different points I, I want to talk about. At what point did you realize what you had signed up for? So like you're sitting there and it, not that you're too tired or anything like that, but yeah. you're like maybe like four hours into this thing. You're like, oh, I've got another full day of this left ahead. And at what point were you just mentally finished and just kind of getting yourself through it? I mean, for me, for me, it happened fairly quick because I think starting at midnight was such a choice. It was very... <laughs> It was a choice. Uh, and I knew I didn't have any guests or I didn't have any planned guests from like 2.30 a.m. our time to like 6 a.m. our time, which ended up not being the case because like JD stopped by and Gethard stopped by and like a ton of people stopped by. Uh, so I was like, great, I'm going to sleep now because <laughs> I originally also was not a part of the show when it was a stage show. <laughs> so when we were doing this, I was like, I'm just going to be the guy who is changing the clock. Like that's what my job is. That's why I'm on camera. I'm going to sleep. I'll get up, change the clock, go back to sleep. I couldn't fall asleep. Like the whole time I was trying, it just wasn't working. So I think that was when I was like, oh, shit, I better just get up and I'll do it. And like, I'll sit through it and we'll see what happens. But I don't, I didn't get very tired until like mid last Jedi. That was when it like, which is crazy. Cause that's a long time. Yeah. But like you can see mid last Jedi into Rise of Skywalker is when I crash. Okay. 
No. I don't remember. I don't remember when. You don't I, remember most of the day. Yeah. I don't remember when things happened or what I felt. I remember feeling angry when it was looking like we were going to have to watch Arliss because I, I just knew I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. I, like, I didn't want to add another hour to this thing that I didn't think I could make it through. I, I do remember, for instance, like, I think and we was could, it... Like, we could not have watched Arliss. We couldn't have watched anything. But if we're being realistic, that would have been like two more days. Like yeah. it was yeah. not going to happen. Making yeah. it through the there... credits of The Last Jedi was enough. Yeah, exactly. I do remember, was it Gilazeri and Paul Shear? They were both in the latter hours of it, right? They were late. They were and late. I do remember being very grateful. It was very well-timed bookings because they were a jolt of energy yeah. at a time when when – we needed it. So there, I, I remember that getting to a point where I'm like, boy, I'm glad these guys are here because they're really helping to keep the, keep us afloat. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, there's also points midday where you can see Connor just completely checked out or Griffin just completely checked out, uh, yeah. you know, which is totally reasonable very reasonable especially not just because you're doing something that's such an endurance you're doing it in character improvising right. every minute of it and I don't think that like, like people can wrap their brains around that. I know they don't think it's scripted or anything like that, but I don't think that they wrap their brains around. Like I fancy myself a low level improviser yeah. and to be able to do something at that level for that amount of time is uh, for, for lack of a better word, gross. It's yeah. just, it's crazy yeah. that you could do that. Did we, Patrick, did we start saying yippee in the marathon? We must've. We must've, right? Because that's the only time I would have seen that scene because there was there's a thing that we say on the show. We say we lean into the I camera. Say, I think we did because Serenado Chani was like coming on around that point and we start saying it to her. So that was truly that was like one of the first things we did. Yeah, because there's a scene early in the Phantom Menace where Qui-Gon Jinn tells young Anakin he's going to like leave his mother. Yeah. And his response is, Yippee! And 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 we latched onto that as like, that's the first sign that Anakin is bad to the bone. Is that he's <laughs> yeah. and his mother and his, and the word that he says is yippee. Uh, and we, and now we started, and now we'll occasionally just say the word yippee. And I'm going to go, make sure, I'm going to go make sure my windows are closed because I have a tropical storm going on outside my window. Right oh now. my God. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's so interesting the way he sort of personalized it. I have a tropical storm. <laughs> this is so much bigger than just Patrick. Yeah. Um, no, his neighbor is fine. There's sunny and. Yeah. Well, um, it's which is funny to me because I feel like that's the thing that the show that we're good at is that we're good at finding things that are not worn out Star Wars jokes because I don't think anybody was quoting Yippee as like a Star Wars quote. No typically prior to us no i think it was noticed but i think it was almost repressed by most yeah. people yeah and there's so much other stuff that caught on from that that movie that uh it, it, it there's a lot there's a lot to you know people focused on other things but mm -hmm. i think like making even if other people may have referenced it before like we're good at finding things that aren't worn out and sort of making a meal of them you know no, mm -hmm. and, and to be able to do that, and like I said, getting through that amount of time without doing that and staying in character, and it was, I mean, it, it's such a corny thing to say, but it was a legitimate tour de force. Like, it was, it, it was never frustrating as a viewer 
to mm-hmm. go through. And I mean, legitimately, I didn't watch it all in a row, but I watched it. We did. It, we yeah, did. I know you did. I, I've done that just yeah. as a human being, who, but yeah. I wasn't having to entertain people while doing it, nor raise money, which I mean, again, give it up I to think you guys for been, money. You I think raised. if it had been 24 hours, it would have been a lot easier. It really mm-hmm. was the extra six hours that made it difficult. Um, I think 24 hours would have been hard, mm-hmm. but the second you start it, you're counting down to 24 and it kind of feels like, um, we can do this. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're going past a full day. Yeah. And then you get to the point where it's like, we've been doing this for a day and now we're going to keep doing it for another <laughs> six hours. Yeah. I think it was, it was like six and a half. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's just really, really makes it, you know. Yeah. And I think that was, that was the hardest part were those last few hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's even, also even, like something people might not realize and obviously Connor and Griffin have never done something for that long, but I had also never been on camera or like, you know, in a mode where you had to like perform for that long. And it's just exhausting on your body in general. Like even on a show where we're not doing 30 hours, I'll wake up this, you know, this morning we had a four hour show last night and my body still hurts. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see what happens when you have to be like on and, you know, mm-hmm. going for not so easy is it patrick <laughs> you know I, all these years i've been saying you guys you got it easy <laughs> you above hurts the line body, folks hurts, hurts your body to entertain people yeah yeah <laughs> um now i, I just want to mention griffin uh just uh as as he is absent uh griffin another person i have a great fondness for uh what is it like working with him when he's in character of wado and george is a stoic fellow as it is so you kind of have to maintain you know a straightness while while a person is being wado at your face so how what's it like working with him like against him on that kind of thing um it's easy i mean griffin is easy i i I never even think about actually both patrick and griffin are very easy to there's there's no part of it really that i find uh, uh, like ch- challenging in fun ways, but not, there's no part of, part of it that is like, I never even think about it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, we're pretty good at reading each other and knowing what, um, what the other one is going for most of the time. And when we don't, it's kind of delightful. Like every now and then uh, one of us will be like building something up and the, the other two will be kind of like, what is this? And that's, that's fun. You know? we we've always just had a good rapport and even though patrick is new to being on camera like the rapport that we have with him on camera is pretty much the same rapport that we have with him off camera you know that like it, it, there really isn't a big dividing line i because sometimes you do have that where you have a really good performance energy with someone but then when you're not in scenes together you're kind of like you don't have anything to say to them you don't you know sometimes that does happen where you're like oh we're great at doing improv together but we don't like have anything to talk about outside of scenes you know and i think this has also turned into by far the most we all hang out or talk to each other mm-hmm. just yeah. because like you and i would see each other weekly at ASCAT or like you know a few times a week for whatever but yeah. like now it's every single week at least four hours probably talk on the phone beforehand just to make sure everything's okay you know like it's become more commonplace for us to be talking and i think that that ultimately helps the show 
just because we know what each other is going through and what kind of mood each other is in and it you know it all feeds into the show that's yeah. awesome and you guys have said this is now obviously evolved into a a newer thing the on the other side of the marathon you've you know got kind of a new voice for the show as it were and you're having these yeah. other guests on and that sort of thing uh how do you do you see it continuing to evolve and do you have any uh immediate plans for anything like an like another marathon or any plans for just what you're doing with the regular part of the show uh i mean we, yeah. we're doing fundraisers once a month so i think that that will it's gonna evolve naturally we don't know what it is but like two weeks we're watching all of big lake with a lot of the cast and crew nice. the gethard uh, uh comedy central show uh next month we're watching all of studio 60 with as many people as I can get. Um, and then the month after that, I think we're doing Muppets Tonight, the ABC show from the 90s. I like that show. Um, yeah, yeah, I do too. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't know what it's going to turn into. I, I feel like we've sort of fallen into a groove, which could be a good thing or could be bad for us in the long run. You know, like, I don't think we will, I don't think we will get stuck in a rut. I think if things aren't fun or certain things aren't working, we will change that too. Yeah, I mean the the rut that we are stuck in is not the show. It is it is uh, the current pandemic. That's the rut that we are stuck in. I think if if things were normal, yeah. we probably wouldn't be doing this show. Yep, not the way we're doing it. Certainly, I don't think we would. For one thing, I don't think we would be able to. I think there is something about the current circumstance which makes it make sense for us to do shows that are four hours long and then once a month do a show that is 12 hours long. I think if film and TV production were open and we could go to stores and movies and all sorts of other things, maybe we would still do a, we would maybe keep doing a digital stream of the show or maybe we don't know what it's going to be like a year from now. Maybe this evolves into something where once the pandemic is over, it evolves into something else beyond that. Yeah, we genuinely don't know. It, but for now, it very much is. Uh, um, we're in this moment because, for one thing, I don't know that. I think part of the reason we're able to retain our audience sometimes well past the point where we, in, under normal circumstances, we would have driven them away. Yeah. And part of that is because people are trapped. Yep. So, <laughs> um, it's how people, I've been booking guests. <laughs> yeah, people, honestly, are, people are honestly pandemic bad. Bad in general. Yeah. For talent bookers, not bad. Yes. Pretty good. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, part of me thinks that maybe this evolves into something so that at, at there's one version of events where at the end of the pandemic, we decide we're at an end point, or maybe it's something we do every now and then or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe people adapt in ways where we have an audience that wants to keep seeing it and we feel like we want to keep doing it and maybe the the version of this post pandemic is uh, uh another another iteration of it somehow i wasn't necessarily sure of how long we were going to keep doing it at ucb just because you never know what's going to happen with you know everyone's you know careers and you know if if griffin and i had both booked like uh uh regular roles on tv shows or if patrick had gotten a job that meant he had to go to hollywood or if i had booked a regular role on a tv show you didn't even bring that up what if i had what if you had i could be mazel's girlfriend boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> oh no the range we, we do always encourage our listeners to make fan art 
And <laughs> if any of our listeners are listening to this, Patrick Connor as the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's new girlfriend uh, is now on the table. A simple, a simple misspeaking has led to hopefully some delightful contributions. Oh, no. That is wonderful. Um, yeah. So, and but, but yeah, I, I also think that, like, you know, this is going to change so many things about the way people think about life, the way people think about entertainment. And all we can do is just keep going step by step with it. Um, I, you know, uh, uh, five months ago, I didn't want to do this. And now if, if I wasn't able to do it, I'm not sure what I would be doing with myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us where, or people who don't know where they can find the show? Oh yeah. You can find it. It's every Sunday at 8 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific on PlanetScum.live. But then if you can't watch that, we encourage you to watch it on our YouTube channel. If you just search the George Lucas talk show, you'll find every moment of live streamed uh, uh, video on there as well as there's some um, pre pandemic shows on there. There's a few comic con shows and uh, you can watch all that yeah. on there, but yeah, it's very defined. Um, we break it up into the actual show with the guests and then we break it up into the after show afterwards, which <laughs> is totally optional. It's most, it's a bunch of bullshit uh, screw around, you know, fun. <laughs> Uh, ranging from 45 minutes to six more hours, uh, <laughs> totally whatever you want to, uh, you know, get into it with. Yeah, definitely, definitely go check it out. And if you're going to watch that uh, marathon, but you don't want to like go through the whole thing, I definitely say scrub through it because it's actually, it's, it's a fun document on like yeah. kind of the deterioration of, of the human psyche after 30 hours of watching movies. I would say, I would say the run, if you're going to watch any of it, the run from Rogue One to Empire is probably the peak. And then Paul Shear comes in around Last Jedi, Gil Ozeri in uh, Force Awakens. Those are also fun. Yeah, it's brilliant yeah. stuff. But I, I second the call to scrub through it. Definitely. Yeah, I, do, I do too. I do too. But I'm just giving you, a, you know, if you want the highlights, that's probably the, the, the top craziness right then. That's so good. And now I want to bring us on to the movie challenge that has been brought to us by our guests. Every time we have a guest, a movie, a movie is suggested. And this time Patrick came to me with the Muppet movie. So tell me what, what brings that to your mind when it comes uh, to a suggestion like this? Uh, well, I knew Connor and I were both going to be on, and I know that we both have a uh, deep love for that movie, um, a deep connection to that movie. I'm not going to say a rainbow connection, but I'm going to say a deep connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I noticed that you hadn't done it, and I don't think you've done any Muppet movies. We have not done any Muppet movies, but we have done Jim, we have done Dark Crystal, and we have done Labyrinth, which are in the Jim Henson workshop of things, but we had not done any. We had discussed well, it recently, and okay. when you said that, that's why I responded to you. Sometimes somebody names the perfect movie. We had yeah, yeah, literally yeah. been talking about it and discussing which one we would do. That's great. So I was trying to rectify that error. I saw that and I was like, this is our chance to swoop in and talk about this because we could have talked about Star Wars. We could have talked about whatever, but we've also talked about Star Wars to death and it's, you know, yeah, there's yeah. only. And the world, and I will the world doesn't need two more white guys talking about Star Wars for any more time than it already has. <laughs> uh, but also tune into our show every Sunday. Yes. Um, the, um, yeah. And I would say there, there was actually um, a, Many attempts, we made several attempts to do a George Lucas talk show at UCB that would celebrate the the anniversary of the Muppet movie and they all fell through. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and no. it wasn't, it was mostly we were hinging on one person and the schedule just didn't 
keep working. Uh, we were trying to get one person, then we were going to build it out from there, and it just didn't. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. Everybody, go check out the George Lucas talk show on planetsgun.live on Sundays at 8. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or on, or on YouTube or any any moment of the week. Or on it's YouTube. Between 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. That's the only time you can't watch it on YouTube. That's it. It's it's a blackout period. <laughs> just get get some rest that hour and then come back yeah. uh and then you can listen to dead eyes that's that's available just about anywhere right connor anywhere that podcasts are found awesome so if you can find us you can find him and go listen to that uh guys thank you so much i will close just very briefly by saying the actual you two have a genuine role in the begin in the existence of this show uh there's that one episode of gethard where he is standing there and he's like i want to know what this person's chris gethard show is i want to know what this person's chris gethard show is that yeah. night at four o'clock in the morning i texted my my co-host and pitched the idea for this show that's where that came from and you two were a very big part of that show and a very big part of my love for that so i say thank you for entertaining me then thank you for keeping me entertained now during all this and thank you so much for joining me that's awesome thank you you so much for having us guys what a great talk that ended up being uh thanks again to patrick and connor who were just so generous with their time and so fun to talk to it was a genuine treat to uh, get to spend some time with them uh they're guys i've been a fan of for a long time and i was lucky enough to be able to uh, connect with them like this and we got to talk and we got a new movie we got a new movie next week guys and it's a movie we kind of wanted to do already and so there's nothing easier than that i'm always afraid i never say this to the guests but i'm always terrified of what they might actually bring to me i'm waiting for one day i'm gonna get somebody really cool and then they're gonna go we're doing the bridges of madison county i'm like oh god but they brought us one that not only interests us greatly but was actually semi on our docket we are doing the muppet movie ladies and gentlemen let us give a listen to the trailer hollywood Hey, we're all going to Hollywood. You want to come with us? Hollywood! It's time to grab your pack, stick out your thumb, and hitch a ride for the adventure of your life. Hey, wait for me! It's Jim Henson's The Muppet Movie. We're moving right along. Footloose and fancy free. You know, I hear this movie is dynamite. It's a story of the open road where hopefully hitchhikers come by the carload. No thanks. I'm on my way to New York City to try to break into public television. There's Posse at the wheel. A bear in his natural habitat. A Studebaker. Kermit guiding the way. Turn left if you come to a fork in the road. Fork in the road. I don't believe that. And a roadside distraction named Miss Piggy. Wow. Hogging the spotlight. Now it's all aboard. Everybody on to Hollywood. As the Muppets hit the jackpot. They're the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and Company. And Hollywood stars get into the act. Milton Berle, Richard Pryor, Bob Hope, Steve Martin, and others. Would you taste it for us, please? And now, Hollywood will never be the same. Stand by. Here we go. Now you can own the Muppet Movie on Video Cassette. Okay, guys, the Muppet Movie.
this wasn't the one that actually entered my consciousness first of all of the Muppet things. I actually believe the first one I ever saw is The Great Muppet Caper. And the first one or the one that I've definitely seen the most was um, Muppets Take Manhattan. So to actually get to go back and watch this one was kind of a fun little dive into childhood. You can find this on Disney Plus if you have a subscription to such a thing. And only if you have a subscription. I don't want to hear about people sharing passwords and all that kind of stuff. We keep it honest here at Miscast Commentary. Don't worry about all the other times you've heard about downloaded movies or any of these other things. All lies, all subscriptions, all streaming, all owning movies. Actually, for the most part, they really were. The only times we came across anything where I didn't have a movie that I owned is because something got fucked up. I either broke a Blu-ray player or something like that, and the show must go on. And you know what? People have died making this show. Okay? Wilford Brimley just died, guys. He didn't die. He died while I was in production for this show. So he died making this show a little bit. Uh, I'd like to just say a really quick word, if I could, about Wilford. Uh, diabetes. Anyway, so moving on. That's it for this week. I'm kidding, guys. Wilford Brimley. A major character actor of the day. Find him in Cocoon. Find him in one of our own commentaries of Hard Target. All over the place. He was such a famously grumpy man who also at the same time was a famously sweet man. Like, he just seemed like an old teddy bear that, you know, couldn't have the sugars. Uh, but uh, he will be missed. He is actually a part of our conversation uh, or was a part of our conversation in that we talked about uh, the Ewoks Battle for Endor, and he was in that. Uh, he will be very much missed. And also, Regis. We didn't really get to talk about Regis since it happened. Uh, very, very sad. I mean, I'm sure it meant a lot more to people who he was really in their life, but I mean, the only time I saw Regis was when I was sick from school, right? It's kind of the only way I really had experience with Bob Barker other than the sexual harassment trials. But the idea of somebody so known and so, you know, loved, especially in a time when talk show hosts right now are getting a little bit of shit for the way they treat people. You know, it, it's sad. And he would, you know, I'm happy that we got to read that somebody died of natural causes instead of dying of COVID, RIP, Herman Cain, or um, any other methods. You know, he didn't go out in a meth binge or all trying to jump his Harley over something. So we can be grateful for that. To his family, uh, Dan Gore, who is his son-in-law, uh, who is a creator on The Good Place. I think I've got the right guy. Uh, and uh, he had a very nice tribute to him, and he seemed like a really sweet guy. And there's a lot of really funny clips of him with uh, people like David Letterman out there. And there's clips of him with old wrestlers and stuff like that. There were, there were a lot of clips of things that I hadn't seen before uh, that have been kind of you know, brought to light since his passing. And it's, uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to properly memorialize somebody in this uh, world now, because not in the COVID world, but just in the technological world, you can go back and find clips and you can say like, you know, you can really introduce somebody to somebody uh, to, you know, someone you cared about in that way in the entertainment world, as it were. So, you know, not to be a bummer anymore. I just wanted to say a quick word about those guys. Uh, but, once again, I thank Connor Ratliff and Patrick Kotner, who were, uh, you know, just so fantastic. And uh, you're going to hear more from them next week. Uh, the clips from our 
Muppet movie discussion will be entered in, as is done for all of our movies. So this isn't a surprise to you now. Unless you are somebody who's hearing us for the first time, then this is a gigantic surprise. You're like, what? You do full-length commentaries of movies? You must be the smartest people in the fucking world. And you're not wrong, okay? And I mean, this isn't the proof of that, but, you know, I'm developing some vaccines and stuff. Not for COVID. I've, I was in the middle of something else, so I'm really sorry. But uh, you'll thank me later, I'm just saying. Swamp ass will be a thing of the past, thanks to me. It's as good a place as any to end an episode, right? Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, find us at miscastcommentary.com. Email us. Email us your thoughts. Email us your dreams. Who do you want us to try and get on the show? What movies do you want us to do? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll get those people or we'll do those movies. It doesn't necessarily mean we could get those people on our best day. Sometimes I get really lucky like this time. Sometimes I do not get lucky and they just ignore me. But uh, this is, you know, this is the life that I've chosen more or less. Uh, but email us, podcast at miscastcommentary.com with any of your thoughts. I don't care if you just call us a piece of shit. I like reading emails that aren't spam. So send away. Find us on Twitter at miscastpodcast. I'm at JK Finley. Todd's at miscast Todd. You're not missing much with that one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if I, I think you could get him to tweet more if you started following him. If he got more followers and I said, hey, somebody's paying attention to you over here, I bet you'll get some tweets. I don't think you're going to be happy with everything you see, but you're going to be happy that you followed him because he's a good guy and he deserves it. But I'm always tweeting. I'm usually tweeting nonsense about uh, politics or responding to other people's tweet funny tweets in a more nonsensical, less funny kind of way. Or just talking about this show because I love it and I love you and I want to connect with you, sons of bitches. And you can also find us on Instagram at Miscast Commentary. You can find us on Tumblr. Join our Facebook group, uh, Facebook.com slash group slash whatever. Uh <laughs> slash Miscast Commentary. I am still on Facebook, not as a tribute to the Zuckerberg but just as another way to connect with you guys, I love any which way that you guys can reach me. So by all means, reach out. As always, like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, all those great things help us get seen. Uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you do all of that rating and stuff, it helps us you know, jump up their algorithm. I can't explain that stuff to you because all that shit about me being really smart before was a complete lie and I don't know anything about this stuff, but I do know that it helps because somebody else on a different podcast that I listened to told me that it helps and this is how I've learned to podcast in general. So please do all those things if you enjoy the show. If you don't like the show, I still review it. I don't care if I get a four star rating. Like I, I know that kills Uber people, but it's not going to end my life. This is not my career. Uh, so just, uh, you know, do all those things. And then if you don't want to do one of those things, but you enjoy the show, but you're like, hey, I can't be bothered to click the fifth star. That's all the way over to the right. Then just tell a friend and say, Hey, go check these guys out. They're doing something. I don't want to say special, but they're doing something and go check them out. And I will be grateful. I won't know that you did it. You can't, you don't have to prove it to me. I'm not like looking for anything like that. Every time I do these episodes by myself, this is where I go. Like, this is what happens when I am speaking to myself and speaking alone is I spiral a little. I don't blame you. I blame Todd. He's not fucking here. He'd be the one keeping me on task per 
<laughs> you get it. You know what I mean. Anyways, all the ways to reach out to us, please do. We love you. We will see you next week with the Muppet movie with Connor and Patrick back on board. And next week, exclusively on the website, you'll get the entire interview beginning to end. There's always, I mean, the interview was over an hour and a half, so there will be a lot of stuff that you didn't hear between this episode and between the clips and next episode. Uh, they had a lot to say. We had a lot of fun talking about the George Lucas talk show. We had a lot of fun talking about Chris Gethard's show, uh, the Muppets. We got into all sorts of things. We talked about... Uh, Looney Tunes, we talked about voiceovers, we talked about all sorts of fun stuff, uh, so you can check all of that out on our website next Friday. So uh, check all that out. We'll have it all on Twitter, which is why you follow us at Miscast Podcast, right? Right? Okay. We'll see you next time. This has been Miscast Commentary with your hosts, Joe Finley and Todd Murray. Executive producer, Joe Finley. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Visit www.miscastcommentary.com for all news related to the podcast. Miscast Commentary is a Miscast Media Production.